Support for today's podcast comes from Clorox. When it counts, trust Clorox. The same way we trust essential workers to provide the care they give to us, our families trust us to give them a safe and protected home. Our community heroes trust Clorox to keep places like hospitals and grocery stores disinfected. So I know I too can trust Clorox to provide my home with a safe environment we can all enjoy. By mixing a third cup of Clorox regular bleach with one gallon of water, when used as directed on hard non-porous surfaces, it kills 99.9% of germs and bacteria on a variety of surfaces. From our kitchen floors to the counters to bathroom tubs and of course our laundry whites. I know I can count on Clorox disinfecting products to give myself and my family the best home we deserve. With two little ones, there's always something to wipe down. We use Clorox wipes often on our countertops and appliances and to clean up spills from the floor. Especially right now, it's important to think about all the small ways we can keep our spaces as safe as possible. When it counts, trust Clorox. All my life I waiting for this day. Waiting for this day. Beautiful. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 186 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. If you're looking for a mood boost in this season, then I've got just the movie for you to check out. Netflix's Jingle Jangle. I was absolutely caught up in the wonder and magic of this film, and I won't even tell you how many times I played the soundtrack. But beyond the magic, I feel like there are several life lessons to be gained from the film as well. Joining me in gushing over the movie today is Jordan Madison. Jordan is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, originally from Brooklyn, New York, currently living in Silver Spring, Maryland. She received her B.A. in psychology from Spelman College and her M.S. in couple and family therapy from University of Maryland College Park and works as a couples and family therapist at Friends in Transition Counseling Services in Maryland. She's also one of our contributing writers here at Therapy for Black Girls. Jordan and I chatted about the themes present in the movie, why a film like this was so necessary right now, and the importance of staying connected to our sense of play and wonder as adults. This episode does contain spoilers, so please save it until after you've had a chance to enjoy the movie. If there's something that resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share with us on social media using the hashtag TVG in session. Here's our conversation, and be sure to stay tuned after my conversation with Jordan for an interview with two of Jingle Jangle's youngest fans. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah. So I'm very excited that you were able to join me because I feel like Jingle Jangle is the single most just adorable, (laughs) wholesome, like sweetest thing I have seen in quite some time. Right. And it's definitely. Yeah, it really felt like a bomb at this point in the year that is 2020. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I know that you also had lots of thoughts and feelings about Jingle Jangle. So I love to just kind of hear, you know, like on a cursory level, what kind of were your initial reactions to it? Well, like you said, I mean, it was just definitely a feel good movie. It Uh felt great to see black culture. You saw black hairstyles. You saw dance moves. You saw so much of the culture in the movie itself as well. And so that was great to see. I loved the grandparent aspect of it. I have, you know, amazing parents and they had me young. And so my grandparents have always stepped in and been a very integral part of me growing up. So I loved that part that definitely warmed my heart as well. So I loved the movie. It was it was great. Yeah, and and it wasn't really something I was expecting to love. So I think it came out earlier this year, Mm -hmm. right? Like in November. And I saw people talking about it, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll have the kids watch that like a little closer to Christmas or something. I mean, then I found out it was a musical and I'm not usually a fan of musicals. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to love that. And then we watched it the first time Thanksgiving evening. And Mm -hmm. I just, first of all, I probably teared up within like the first 15 minutes, right? Because it just was (laughs) so beautiful, you know, and like you're mentioning, just lots of layers in terms of like the family dynamic and just, you know, like you said, gorgeous hairstyles and just, it was shot beautifully, right? Um, And so I think it just put me in all of my feels in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Yeah, I think my first time watching it, my dad, my stepmom and my two siblings, they live in Atlanta, but I am currently in Maryland and we decided to watch it together, like over Netflix together. Mm-hmm. And that was nice. And then we watched it again. I want to say it was Thanksgiving evening or sometime around the Thanksgiving holiday. And so it's definitely a nice family movie. But like you said, there's a lot of generational things that I saw that were woven in as well. So I really appreciated it. I think it's a great movie for all ages. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Now, you know, because I feel like I can't ever really watch anything without like picking up some additional meanings, right? right. <laughs> you know, I definitely feel like I was able to get lost in it, which I think was a part of the fun that I was able to really like kind of get lost in the magic of it and the fantasy of it. Mm-hmm. But I did still kind of walk away with like, I feel like, oh, that was a message. We can use that for something else, right? So yeah. tell me about maybe some of the messages that you got from the film. I've rewatched it now maybe three to four times. There's like three major themes that stand out to me. So one was just belief, like believing in yourself, believing in the magic of things. And therapist in me kind of boiled that down to like imposter syndrome and how that can make you not believe in yourself, but also the like the pros and cons of it, right? Because the competing toy maker, he stole the ideas from um, Jeronica as well. You know, him taking Jeronicus's things, it just showed me that what's for you is for you. So even though he took it and made a profit in the beginning, when that last invention that he tried to steal didn't work, to me it was because you didn't know what it took or what was the meaning or what was important behind it, like how Jeronicus did because he's who created it, it didn't work for you. So even though you tried to steal his shine, it still ended up not coming to you the way that you expected. And then for Jeronicus, it was like, once a believer, always a believer. So I think 
with his failed successes, it made him forget who he really is. And it reminded me sometimes with myself or with clients that I see that when things don't go our way, we sometimes start to feel like maybe this is not for us when, you know, maybe it is. It's just that we're having some difficult times, but that doesn't mean that it takes away who you are or what you were created to do. So that was like the first theme that stood out to me because belief in the magic and all of those things and that being what made the the codes that he would write in work, mm-hmm. that to me stuck out. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely picked up on that as well. And, you know, it reminds me of a previous episode I did called Keep Your Eyes on Your Own Paper. Right. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea that Gustafson took his whole toy book and kind of made years or had years of success kind of just building stolen things. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when it came time for him to actually stand on his own two feet and come up with something new and creative, he didn't have the juice to do it. Right. And so I think that is a reminder for us that when you are so busy looking on somebody else's paper, you're not actually nurturing your own gifts so that you can actually produce the things that only you can create, right? It's easy to kind of take somebody else's playbook and say, you know, like, okay, I can do this and then I can have some level of success. But what really equals long-term success is you nurturing your own gifts and practicing and failing because that's a part of it, right? Like sometimes things work and sometimes they don't, but it is really important to kind of nurture the things within you. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to go back to your comment about imposter syndrome because I think Geronicus was struggling with some like, okay, I don't know if I can make these things work anymore, Mm -hmm. but it feels like that was also really compounded by grief, right? So that was the the third theme that okay. I, I noticed. <laughs> so right? I, got, because I, I got too caught up on your list. I didn't get that. No, 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 you're good. Me. So the first one was like believing and that kind of related to imposter syndrome. The second one was legacy, kind of what I talked about before, just seeing the generations, how patterns pass through generations. There was a lot of generations in the story because it starts with Felicia Rashad, who I absolutely love <laughs> telling the story to her grandchildren. But then you find out that she was the person in the story that she's Mm -hmm. telling, you know, so that just spanned a lot of generations to me. And I thought that was beautiful. And it showed the importance of storytelling in our culture and all of those things. And then my last major theme I was going to say was grief, but then also the importance of relationships. Like I recognized when Gustafson, you know, originally took his work, he was still working on creating new things and trying again. And he had his wife and his daughter in his corner pushing him. But I noticed once his wife passed, it felt like he lost everything and he stopped trying completely. And so Mm -hmm. that to me showed me how devastating grief can be, which I think we already know, but it was a a really like stark reminder, but then also how important it is to have relationships around you because, so I felt like the relationships and the grief piece all kind of combined into one to me because he lost that relationship with his wife. So he was grieving. And then through his grieving and his depression that he was feeling from that, he isolated himself from other relationships, whether it be with his daughter, with the male lady, Mrs. Miss Johnston, I think, mm-hmm. who, exactly. you know, was, you know, trying to come on to him. He, he would always shut that down. He originally shut down even his granddaughter, you know, and I think all of it was because he was depressed. He was grieving. He was sad. He didn't want to open himself up to anyone in general, you know, and I think that happens a lot when we lose 
really key figures or really important relationships in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're very right about that. Yeah, especially the isolation piece, right? Because mm-hmm. you're right, like it feels like he was able to kind of rebound a little bit after Gustafson stole his original toy and his like, you know, playbook. But then after his wife passed, it feels like he just kind of felt like, okay, this is the last thing, right? Like how much can I lose really and keep going? And so what you see is like him further isolating in his relationship with his daughter, Jessica, and really kind of pushing her away to the point at which when they kind of meet up again, she feels like it was her fault, right? And I think that that's something to pay attention to as well, because children don't always have the language and the vocabulary to understand what's happening, right? And so it feels like in her 10-year-old, however old, they never really said how old she was when all that was happening. In her mind, she kind of created this whole story that it was me that I wasn't enough or, you know, like dad couldn't connect with me and it was my fault that like the magic was gone or something. And that's what kids tend to do. Yeah. And I loved Felicia Rashad as she was sharing the story. I can't remember exactly how she said it word for word, but she just said that in that time, Jessica realized she not only lost one parent, but she lost two. Mm-hmm. And that even though she tried, it's like the grief was too big of a void to fill and she was too small to fill it. Yeah. Right. Not meaning that she wasn't enough. It's just that grief is something that, you know, overcomes you. And being a kid, there's only so much that you can do. You can love your parents. You can love whoever, not even just a parent. And it doesn't mean that it's your fault. Like their grieving process is not a reflection of you. Right. Right. Yeah. And I also thought it was really telling when they did reconnect that he had been trying, like writing her letters every day, right, but never sending them, which I thought also was really kind of key in what we sometimes see and some, and I think stereotypically, but also kind of socialized in terms of men's emotional experiences, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so that there's all this stuff kind of going on underneath and I don't quite know how to share it. Exactly. Or how to express it where it doesn't come off a certain way. And he was like, I wanted to give you the world. I was the greatest inventor, but I wish I could have been the greatest father. Well, had he just been there and been present, he would have still possibly been the greatest father. But because in his mind, he wasn't living up to whatever standard he saw himself to be as a father. He felt that he wasn't enough for Jessica. He pushed her away thinking that would be helpful. When in reality, you know, that maybe made her feel worse. And Mm -hmm. like you said, men in general, but specifically black men, in my opinion, have been socialized to think that they have to be everything and tough and strong and all of these things, which is, I guess, the important piece of masculinity that people pass down. But there's also a piece of you can still be a provider in other ways besides just financially, you know, and I think maybe he felt that he wasn't being enough. Hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the very first things that I thought about when the when the story kind of first started was how much he was putting on like this one invention, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is sometimes where we get in our own heads, not necessarily related to, you know, inventing toys, but whether right. it is in our careers or in our relationships, like, oh, if this one thing works then mm-hmm. my life will completely turn around, right? And yep. I think that is always a red flag to me when I hear clients say stuff like this, because I think that there are very few paths or decisions in our lives where like one thing will make a difference, right? And so I think when you're pinning all of your hope on one thing, then you get into trouble because if that one thing doesn't work, then what do you have left 
to kind of stand on. And so it feels like that was kind of the beginning of the downfall. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that kind of led into this dynamic of him feeling like, oh, I wanted to be the greatest father to you. When really all you need to do for kids a lot of times is be present. Just be there, right. <laughs> be there and be, be, you know, not abusive and not, you know, awful. Right. But you don't have to kind of like be, you know, writing their name in the sky for kids to really feel like they've been taken care of and loved. And so it right. feels like, you know, that again was another lesson I thought that we could take away in our real lives was just this idea that very seldom is it one thing that's going to like make or break our lives. Yeah. And that, I mean, I just had that conversation with a client earlier today of just this, this mindset of once I get blank, then I'll be mm-hmm. blank, happy, mm-hmm. then I'll be successful, then I'll be whatever, you know, and I remember for myself, feeling that way a lot in 2018, I had like a lot of milestones in that year. And I was like, okay, once I do this, then I'll feel better. Or once I get this thing done, then I'll be okay. But what happens if after you do it, you still aren't feeling better? Then right. what? right? Because then you're feeling lost, then you're feeling confused, then you're feeling like, well, then I got to do something else. You know, it's just a never-ending cycle. And so for me, at least personally, I can say that my goal in 2019 was to just focus each day on just being my best in whatever capacity that looks like. It doesn't have to be, I have to achieve this one goal first, and then I'll be happy. It was just focusing on day by day. Doesn't mean to not have goals, doesn't mean to not look forward to things. It just means like you were saying, not to put so much pressure on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes I talk about what I call celebration procrastination. So this idea that I'm going to celebrate, you know, my dissertation once I am completely finished, or I'm going to celebrate this thing when I get the next promotion, right? So there's never like a stillness of like celebrating all the small wins, right? Like I think I like that, especially for people who are like very like success driven, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're always kind of looking for the next thing as opposed to like, let me be happy about this thing currently, you know, as opposed to that doesn't mean you have to kind of give up on your goals and like what's coming next, but also take some time to kind of really be excited about the thing that just happened. Right. I love that celebration. I love things that rhyme. So (laughs) So do I. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. So what was your third theme? What uh, was the third thing that you felt like popped up a lot? It was just the the legacy, like just looking at the generations, you know, so it was believing and then it was the grief. But to me, like the grief and the relationships kind of tied into one. Got it. And then the third was just the legacy of just seeing how intergenerational trauma but also intergenerational positive things too can mm-hmm. be passed down you know mm-hmm. Jeronicus was an inventor his daughter was an inventor and then her daughter is an inventor and then you see Felicia Rashad see something in her granddaughter like she's looking mm-hmm. at the the fire and she's she's seeing something her grandson didn't but right. that's what sparked her to share this story because she yes. started to notice that her granddaughter is starting to see things and while her brother, not intentionally, but maybe is making her feel like it's not real or right. she's crazy or she's wrong, she picked up on that. And I just thought that that was beautiful, that it was just the spirit of believing, the spirit of magic, invention was passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we focus on intergenerational trauma and the negative things that are passed down, not realizing that there are also really positive things yes. that are passed down as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I have mixed feelings about the word resilience, right? Because I feel like sometimes it keeps us in this place of feeling like we got to kind of keep 
working through hard things and not right. actually acknowledging that they're hard things. But I do agree with you, right, that if trauma can be passed down, what about resilience and what about joy, right? Yeah. Are those things not also passed through generations? And I think that that is a bit of what we saw in this story. I hadn't thought about that, but I feel like there is a strong theme of kind of women kind of embracing their voices, women and girls in this story, right? Because you're right, it, Felicia Rashad did notice something was going on with her granddaughter, right? And she felt like this is the time now to share this story, right? Like I need to affirm yeah. her so yeah. that she realizes like, trust yourself. Right. Exactly, trust yourself. And I really feel like they did such a beautiful job of that. We didn't see it as much with Jessica um, because her story kind of in real time was cut short after mom um, passed, but I felt like they did a great job of showing that with Journey, right? Just mm -hmm. of um, kind of her really being very comfortable in who she was, right? Like, I'm going to be a great inventor and I know all this science and math and, yeah. you know, just really kind of being okay with who she was. I really felt like they did a good job without kind of heavy handed kind of portrayals of like girl power, so to speak, right? It just was like, this is a young black girl who feels very affirmed and comfortable in who she is. Right. Like her beginning song, the first song she sang, I don't remember it at all. I'm not going to sing it, but it was just, <laughs> you know, something like they want me to go and play and be outside, but I prefer to be inside and be inventing mm -hmm. and, science and those things. And so I think it's great because that was nurtured by her mom because she understands it. And even though, like you said, Jessica's story was kind of cut short, she wanted like inventor goggles or she wanted something mm -hmm. and her dad, her dad still made them for her, even though her mom might've felt like it was too soon. So I think there's very subtle things that show you how having people that believe in you mm -hmm. is really important. And that's what even Jeronicus was saying. Like when I had my wife and my daughter believing in me, that's what made the inventions. But after losing my wife and then pushing away my daughter, it feels like he lost the community, the people that were trying to believe in him. Miss Johnston was trying <laughs> to mm -hmm. believe in him, mm -hmm. you know, hard, but he was, he was not open to it yet. He wasn't receptive. Right, right. Yeah. And the other part that I just thought was so cute was Journey's relationship with Edison, right? And so even mm -hmm. in their first meeting, he's like, well, do you want to be my apprentice? And she's like, no, but do you want to be mine? <laughs> right. So again, I just thought it was just a, a great framing of a young girl being able to kind of claim her own voice and claim space. And back to your point around believing, I thought one of the most beautiful parts of the movie was one of the conversations Jeronica's had with Journey about believing in yourself, like you've said several times today, mm -hmm. right? And so he said, never be afraid when people can't see what you see, only mm -hmm. be afraid if you no longer see it. And so, I love that yeah, it feels like it goes to your yes. earlier point around like, you know, like not quite the imposter syndrome, but kind of just believing in yourself, but also yeah. just kind of like some self-esteem stuff too, that it's okay if like everybody doesn't see, because sometimes other people are not meant to see it. It maybe is only meant for you to see. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I've, I wrote that. It's funny that you said that. Cause I forgot. I wrote that quote. I have, each year I have like a theme for the year, mm, mm -hmm. but I write down quotes in my notes from each year that really speak to me. And that yeah. was probably the, the most recent one that I did, because I think that's so important. Sometimes people won't see your vision. It doesn't mean that it's not possible, that it can't happen. It just means that they can't see it, but that's fine, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's still maybe it was God given or maybe it was the universe. Whatever you believe in, it was given right. to you to fulfill. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that that was, again, something else that kind of popped up throughout just, you know, kind of trusting your own intuition and your own voice and your own vision. Even if other people don't agree with it or don't affirm it, there's a likely reason that why you have it. And as you say that, I also think of patience. Patience came up to me. Hmm. One, because you think of Jeronicus eventually got everything that he had been working for. It was way overdue, and there were a lot of complications, but he did continue to be the inventor that he was destined to be. But I also thought of Gustafson and how he, in a sense, jumped the gun like he went and stole those things. But if you notice right after that scene, Jeronicus comes back to him, and he's like, don't think we could have a family celebration without you. Mm -hmm. And towards the end, when either he's arrested or something, you know, he's like, if you had just waited, I would have shown you everything right. that I had, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, patience stepped out to me as well, because I think if something is not going the way that we expect, or as soon as we expect it, we get frustrated, we might try to do other things. But if we just wait and trust, like you were saying, in our vision, trust in our skills, our capabilities, it will still come to us. It doesn't mean to not do the work. You have to still do the work. But the work doesn't have to be like looking at someone else's paper, copying what they're doing. It means mm-hmm. doing what, what's good for you. So patience came up to me, not necessarily as a theme, but it just came up as something that I noticed. Like, mm-hmm. had he just waited, Jeronicus would have shown him everything he knew and they could have done more things, even mm-hmm. more t- together. Yeah. And I also think we got to call attention to what was the little toy's name? Now I forget the little. I don't know. I don't know his name, but. (laughs) The little blue man. But he, but yeah, because he reminded me of like just the, the negative Mm -hmm. self-talk sometimes. Yes. Little voices. Yes. Yes. Yeah. His messages where like, you know, he doesn't think you're enough, but you could do this and you uh-huh. could do that. Even though his sole intention was just to be the one and only. It wasn't right. to actually further or help him. So right. definitely calling attention to him, though, because either our negative voices or that can maybe be a representation of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very accurate because that's what sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be our own negative voices, but it also could be a person, right? Like, I think we have to pay you know, have to kind of give space for the fact that not everyone in our life always wishes us well, right? Right. And so sometimes that's an intentional thing and sometimes it's a subconscious thing, right? Like sometimes people will attempt to try to keep you from walking in your path because they've been afraid to walk in their own, right? Right. And so it can be our own voice, but it can also be other people, other actual people in our lives who will tell us stuff that then gets in our heads and mm-hmm. it's not anything we were ever thinking, right? Like, I don't think exactly. Gustafson was ever planning to, like, run off with Jeronicus's stuff. But then here comes the little toy planting That's these seeds. That's feeding on his insecurities. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Planting these seeds of doubt and kind of saying, like, hey, don't you want to do this, right? And so I think we have to pay attention to those forces in our own lives, whether that be ourselves due to some kind of self-sabotage or other people who may not kind of want to see us moving forward in the ways that we would like to. Right. And noticing that even if you notice that in your life, in other people, they may be doing it intentionally, but they may not be, like you said. And it could be because they're afraid because they're thinking that they're protecting you or they've Mm -hmm. failed. So they don't want you to get your hopes up. So they kind of try to water you down so that you don't get your hopes up. But 
if you have the vision, even if they can't see it, it's what's really matters and what's important is you believing in yourself and doing the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. So, you know, we have Therapy for Black Girls kind of team meetings every Monday. And I okay. feel like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this on one of the meetings. Like we talked about Jingle Jingle because I think it was right after I watched it. Uh-huh. And just to watch everybody light up at the mention of Jingle Jingle, I think is really something, right? right. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts about how so many people have kind of felt really like joyous I think after this movie it feels like it touched something for people that we hadn't like connected with in a while or you know again given the context of 2020 something people really needed but I just love to hear your thoughts about like what you think people's like joyous reaction has been about I think there's always joy when you see a movie that gives representation Mm -hmm. and so seeing so much black joy in the film felt great. Also, seeing a storyline that has nothing to do with police brutality, nothing to do with slavery, nothing to do with the perils or the hard things that the Black culture is always set to be facing, but just, like, not to say that there weren't perils that happened in the movie, but they were normal or perils that anyone could face. And I Mm -hmm. feel like oftentimes movies or anything that celebrates Black culture typically does it in the resilience sense. Like when mm-hmm. we had to go through all of this mm-hmm. first to celebrate. And this was more of just a celebration regardless of that. Right. And I think that was helpful. I think that was nice to see given everything that we've seen in 2020. It's like Black Panther was such a hugely mm-hmm. celebrated, mm-hmm. joyous thing. And even though Wakanda is not necessarily a real place, or even though the movie was, superheroes it was just great to see a beautiful cast with multiple people looking like you or people that you love and the joy that we felt in that was great and then in 2020 it's like we lost our black panther Mm -hmm. so that was surprising that was hard that was a collective grief i mean we've lost i think a lot of a lot of icons in our cultural life you know this year And so I think this was just really a nice reminder of just Christmas spirit, joy, miracles that can happen. Kids seem to bring out the best in in all of us, Mm -hmm. you know. I think that's what was refreshing in it. And it didn't have an underlying sadness first piece. Yes, there was times where he was down, but it wasn't a struggle of blackness. It was more just something that happens and then seeing the joy that comes with patience and believing and hard work and, and magic and all of those positive things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Black Panther because I do think in some ways I hadn't connected it, but I think that there is a parallel in the escapism, right? Like just the, again, now knowing that Wakanda is not a real place, but for those two hours or so, like you can kind of envision like, right. you know, what, what that world feels like. And it feels yeah. like you were able to do that with Jingle Jingle as well. Just kind of get lost in the fantasy and the magic of it. I also thought it was a good reminder and, you know, you've already said it'd be great for any age, but I think it was a good reminder, especially for adults to kind of stay tapped into that play and wonder that yes. like comes so easily to kids, but that we kind of like, push to the side as we get older and have responsibilities and you know right. all of these things there still needs to be space and time made to to kind of stay connected with that yeah with the the magic and the joy and the carefreeness of yeah. life like 
yes, even though you're an adult and there's responsibilities, it doesn't mean that you can't play. I mean, there's studies <laughs> on how important right. play is, you right. know, so it's important to, to keep that. Even, you know, when you say that, that reminds me of the scene where they're having the snowball fight. Yes. Like that was just <laughs> playfulness. That was yes. exciting that, you know, I think that began to open Geronicus up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because up until that point, he had still been keeping Journey at an arm's length, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it felt like he was kind of recreating that same dynamic he had with his daughter with right. Journey. And then we see this snowball fight and it does feel like it kind of moves their relationship into a different space where by the end you see him saying, I love to be the grandfather for her that I was not able to be in terms of a father for you. You know, yeah. So it feels like now we are kind of healing some of that intergenerational trauma right. in terms of kind of getting close as a family again. And that reminded me, because my dad brought that up when we watched it, of just sometimes your grandchildren are second chances. Mm-hmm. And he brought it up because of just my story and how I came into the world and how my grandparents reacted and responded to me. But And so that was more of like a personal level. But I mm-hmm. think in general there's always time for a second chance. Mm-hmm. You can recreate relationships. You can, in a healthy way, of course, I'm not saying that you have to with everyone, but right. there's there's space for that mm-hmm. if the work is done. And I think that conversation that Jeronicus has with Jessica and, and he shows her the letters and he shows her, this is what I was thinking. That's where healing was able to take place because now she was able to realize it wasn't fully about me and I didn't do anything wrong. And he did want me there. He did love me, but he didn't know how to, express it and now I can work on the forgiveness and now I also see how he's treating my daughter and I know that that was in him all along mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I really appreciated that and again you know thinking about this is not necessarily going to be an easy road right because this is right. years of them you know not being together or whatever but I guess when you think about the flashback and the fact that this is now told through the eyes of journey, right? Mm -hmm. You can kind of see that there has been some work done. And what I was kind of confused about at the end, so is journey now running the factory? Is that what you kind of took away from it? Because they fly off. Right. And and I think the little boy says like, oh, is that the factory? Huh. I don't even think I thought of that. Um, (laughs) Just a random thought at the end. I don't think they explained it, but I was just curious if you had any thoughts. Yeah, I guess maybe. You know, because she was an inventor, too, and it was cool that they show us her through the coils in her hair. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And I thought it was interesting that when she starts the movie and she starts the book, the granddaughter's like, I don't think you've ever read this to us before. And she says, you know, I've never read this to anyone before. Mm-hmm. So that made me question, so did she not share it with her daughter or her child? Because oh. her grandkids, so mm-hmm. you would think she would have told her children. But then I was like, okay, maybe I'm just overthinking that part. But, <laughs> But I, I think it was just really cool. And if that's the case, then I wonder, like, you know, will it be passed down and it'll be a continuous thing that stays in the family? Because now her granddaughter sees mm-hmm. things and is probably an inventor, at least believes and has that magic in her as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Just a very sweet, sweet kind of gesture there at the end. Tell us where we can find you. What is your website as well as any social media handles you'd like to share? Sure. So everything is all the same. So my website is www.therapyismyjam.com. My Instagram and Twitter are at therapyismyjam as well. 
it's a play on my initials because my initials are jam, so it works out really nicely. <laughs> and yeah, so you can find me there. I am located in the DMV area. So that is another way that we can connect if you're in that area, I guess. And even if not, I'm pretty, everything's virtual now. So Mm -hmm. I've been able to make a lot of connections and that's been great. And I've been really focused on reducing the stigma around mental health and normalizing going to therapy, especially in our community, which is why I'm I love Therapy for Black Girls. I've been following Therapy for Black Girls since at least 2015. But I created these t-shirts that say like therapy is my jam or going to therapy is my jam as a way to support that message that it's okay to go to therapy or it's okay to see a therapist, whatever the case may be. I think it's important to do that. Absolutely. Well, we will be sure to include all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Jordan. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now I'm going to be thinking about so many things every time I watch another movie. Like what, <laughs> what messages are in this? So this was definitely great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Julian, what was your favorite song from the movie? All my life I waiting for this. Day, waiting for this day. Beautiful. And what did you like about the movie? Drowning kids jingle, and they were the bad guy. Who was the bad guy? Uh, Justice Sim. What made him a bad guy? Because he he tried to steal over the world and make it full of bad guys, so so they couldn't do it. So the the strangers couldn't get to Justice Sim. Oh, okay. And he was fighting on just all the, the parts of, of the good guys. Oh, and should we do those kinds of things? No. Why should we do those kinds of things? Because they'll, they'll ruin the Christmas spirit. Oh, beautiful, Julian. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie? All our dreams are calling on this day, waiting for this day. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Julian. And Jackson, what was your favorite part of the movie? That Journey believed. What did she believe in? Everything. What else did you enjoy about the movie? That I figured out Gufferson was the villain so quickly in the movie. How did you figure out so quickly that he was going to be the villain? Because every villain has a part where the people that they count on, they get rejected. Oh, wow. That's incredibly smart that you figured that out so soon. Did you have a favorite song from the movie? This day. So you like this day also? Uh-huh. Great. Well, thank you both for participating. I'm so glad Jordan was able to join us for today's conversation. To learn more about her and her work, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 186. And please text two sisters right now and tell them to check out the episode. And a very special thank you to Jackson and Julian Bradford for sharing their thoughts about the movie as well. If there's a topic you'd like to have covered on the podcast, please submit it to us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash mailbox. And if you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. If you want to continue digging into this topic and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Take good care.